0: What the hell is the name of this thing? It's Wayne World. The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore
1: on my finger. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. He tried to get me in mid-shoe. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to another podcast of ballsy... Is this the first one of the new year, or is this the this second? Is the second, one? second, Kevin. Second, second of the new year. Th- thanks for being up to date. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm catching up here, uh, and we got we got Tommy here producing. He just started the timer, and so we're a little bit behind on that, but uh, but it's close enough. Uh, and we have with us on the phone one of our all time favorites, a Sports Day alum. There's a lot of those, but this is one of our all time favorite alums, Richard Justice.
2: Richard, are you there?
0: Hello, Kevin. Hello, Barry. Richard is, not this only,
2: Richard is not only an alum of the Dallas Morning News, he's alum of the Dallas, Dallas Times Daryl,
0: the whole telegram, the to... Sun.
1: <laughs> Keep you, going. You have and the Houston Chronicle. You have watch, worked at more major post? Did you ever work in Austin at the Statesman?
0: I did. For did? Uh, six or eight months. I worked the desk there. So I um I um it was it was a good good experience. I worked at the Austin Citizen, which is now uh, long gone. I worked in Abilene. I've worked quite quite a few places. So you worked uh, You there. know, I uh, spent a Thanksgiving day, 1977. I'm having my Thanksgiving dinner at the Church's Chicken in Abilene, Texas. And there was a couple of guys from the print shop there, a couple of alcoholic old guys. And I looked around and I said, you know, this career is not quite working out the way I thought it was going to.
1: <laughs> that, and it turns out that was the high point. You know, I could say that. <laughs> yeah.
2: I've, I've been at the Morning News almost 35 years. I think I could say the same thing. Wow, I think it just oh, shows a lack of
1: ambition, doesn't it, Richard?
2: But before we before we get to the talking about what we're here to talk about, the Texas Rangers and Houston Astros, I just want to say I could have had a better intro to this because I would have introed you. I would have introduced Ballsy with the 2015 Texas Sports Writer of the Year, featuring Kevin Sherrington. Wow,
1: that's very congratulations nice. congratulations on that. Award. I appreciate that very much. That's very nice of you to say that. I appreciate it. and and you know what here's the thing. The reason that I won because there's two reasons: one because everybody got tired of voting for Kirk Bowles, and two Richard <laughs> Justice no longer that's what I was is in the market I was gonna, I, was gonna I
0: remember that. the year I remember the year I finished behind both Kirk and Kevin and uh, People said, you know, you might want to think of that ins- career in insurance. <laughs>
1: <laughs> very funny, very funny. All right, let's get on. There's enough of this uh, to all here. We need to move on to the stuff that people really want to hear about. And what I want to ask you about, Richard, being that you are now a Houston guy, even though you were you were, you were born in Waxahachie, is that correct? Or you grew up in Waxahachie? That is,
0: that, that is correct. Yes,
1: even though you are a North Texas guy, you are really more of a Houston guy. Now, because you still live there, you worked at the Chronicle for ten years. Is that a record for you, by the way? Ten years at what? I place? worked
0: uh, I worked there eleven years. My record is the Washington Post, fifteen. Although, as you know, there was a. <clears throat> a little interruption there for a brief few months. <laughs> and, and
2: where did you work for those that brief few months? <laughs> that
0: was two or three weeks with Barry Switzer and the Dallas Cowboys in the employ of the Dallas Morning News.
1: Dallas Morning News, that's right. You know, what, uh, Richard, I, I believe if you take your entire time here at the uh, Dallas Morning News, that Barry and I have longer lunches than that. I believe. That yeah, he- and I, I'll say this: I knew it wasn't
0: going to work out when I'm after the Cowboys beat the Dolphins and we're zipping up I ninety five. And Galloway screams, "Pull over! There's a Dave and Buster's." Uh, what? Okay, Randy. <laughs> well,
1: that's hey, part have, of the deal—is being Randy's driver.
2: Kevin, Kevin, have we have we
1: noted where Richard
2: works now? I don't think we have.
1: No, we have not. Let's
2: he, let's say that, and then he, I'd like I'd like Richard for you to tell us what your title is because I saw it online the other day, and I was blown away.
1: You are you <laughs> were Bud Selig's uh, personal valet, weren't you?
0: I was with Commissioner Seelig last week, as a matter of fact, in Scottsdale, Arizona.
1: Yes, you are. You were at MLB.com. You are, I believe, as it's titled. Barry, what, what was the title? I don't remember, but it was majestic. E- executive. executive.
0: What is your title? It was executive correspondent. And I'm going to tell you something. That means a lot.
1: Yes, it does. It means a whole lot. It means a lot, especially a lot when you get that paycheck. That's how they justify that. The executive <laughs> correspondent. And also the former... Columnist at the Houston Chronicle, uh, and in in your time there in Houston, you became very close with that Astros club. Developed lots of sources, lots of people. I know last year you were on board with those guys, thinking that they were going to win it all, and then the Rangers snuck up and beat your Astros.
0: Well, I, I was in the tank for both teams, and my my dream was that we would have an all Texas ALCF. and wouldn't that have been pretty cool? We would, you know, that would have made the world stop a little bit in terms of high school football and. And and the NFL and all that, and uh, they were close to doing that. And it was a great summer of baseball in Texas. What did the two teams draw like five, close to oh, between four and five million. It tells you, and, and the TV ratings for both clubs were great. It tells you this this uh, this state likes baseball too.
1: I think this is the first time I can say uh, that we we really do have a rivalry between the Astros and the Rangers. It may be the first time we've had a rivalry between the two cities because there's never been a real rivalry between the two. Uh, you can't even talk about the, the Oilers and the Cowboys. That was never a real rivalry. Uh, they no. never played any real games. So I think we are actually developing something here and something that should continue uh, because uh, it's my uh, uh, impression that these two clubs – should be the front runners going into this season. Do you do you agree with that?
0: Yes. Uh, yeah. In fact, I think you could probably couldn't pick anybody else. These are the two teams that are probably head and shoulders above everybody else. Everybody else is sort of trying to figure things out. The Angels are going to be paying for that Josh Hamilton mistake for a while now. You know, they're they're paying all of watch. it this year.
1: They're, yeah. Uh, yeah. The Rangers and pay the, ne- uh, next to nothing for that contract.
0: Yeah, and not only that, they're out. They're looking. They need offense, but. To, to sign another, to sign one of the impact guys that sped us up up then they'd go over the luxury tax because of the Josh Hamilton money. Yeah. But there's questions on both teams. But these, I was thinking about this the other day. These might, these two franchises right now are as well run as any in baseball. The Rangers have ownership that sort of defers to John Daniels, trust John Daniels, puts their faith in him. That doesn't happen everywhere. And certainly the Astros have an owner who will just tell you, Jim Crane will tell you, hey, you got to go talk to the general manager, Jeff Luno, about that. I, You know, I, I just uh, I check with him uh, once or twice a day, but I don't make any of the decisions. And I think he's honest. You know, owners always say that. But in this case, I think it's kind of a per- perfect world. I don't believe it's ever been this way uh, for these two franchises uh, in the, in their history to have it this good.
2: Don't discount the Cowboys. If you talk to the Cowboys owner, he he tells you to go talk to the Cowboys general manager also.
0: <laughs> yeah, he does. And the, there's a, somebody once told me, I don't know if he's even. It might have been Norv Turner who said Jerry would rather go one in fifteen five years in a row then admit he's not a football guy and he may get that wish. yes he may
1: listen now uh you come around a little bit on Jim Crane i know there were some concerns about him as an owner uh, initially so you you think it's worked out okay
0: i think all you as an owner all you do and it's like this in any business is you hire people and you and you give them the resources and the freedom to do their job and the astros set out it's kind of a a painful it's been a painful process in that when he Crane bought the team at the end of 2011, they were in a bad place. They were stuck with some contracts. They, um, they, they, The farm system was mediocre at best, and they were in a bad shape. And what, um, what Jim Crane said, I'm going to hire a guy who's really good in the draft. He got this guy, Jeff Luno, who drafted 50 big leaguers with the Cardinals. And he said, I'm going to give him the complete freedom to tear it down and start over. And I remember telling Jim Leland, I said, Here's what the Astros are going to do, and he said, "Yeah, we'll see." He said, "I've heard everybody say that when you lose three in a row, you go out and get a bunch of old guys to to uh, bring you back." But the Astros were helped by the fact that they didn't have any TV money, zero TV money for a couple of years. You and couldn't so watch them couldn't,
1: on TV down there,
0: right? They couldn't afford they They couldn't afford to to do that, and, but so they built a great farm system. They got all these young guys now: Correa, Springer, Keiko. But it's painful to do what they did. And it's painful in that your TV ratings go to zero. Even the people who were getting the games on TV weren't watching. Your attendance goes from three million to a million. You're sitting there and you're wondering, you know, do, does is anybody paying attention to this? And I saw this in Baltimore firsthand. People find out they can live without it. And so it's a process to get them back in the ballpark. And Reed Ryan, the president of Astros, is still working to get people back. But right now, it's just it, last summer – I love I love the team that won the National League pennant in two thousand five and those Astros team those Rangers teams that went to the World Series were tremendous. But that was as much fun to watch. Correa Carlos Correa is a dynamic young player. George Springer is a dynamic young player. And they just they sorta of, they, they play with a certain energy that comes from their manager that you know, both teams, both the Rangers and Astros had rookie managers who did a great job. It was it was a really cool thing to be around. And you know when you win, when you're young guys and you've lost, you've lost a They'd averaged 103 losses the previous four years. When you've lost that much and you're winning, there's not going to be another first time again. You know, because now they go into this season with some expectations. Guys start worrying about their contracts and all. So it was it was sort of magical. It ended in Kansas City a little bit abruptly, but that's the way it goes sometimes.
2: Now you talked about the greatness or or how much you like Rangers ownership, but I'm a if I'm a Ranger fan and I'm sitting out here in Corsicana. And I go well. Walks a hatchy. No, I didn't want to say well, I want to say course of Canada. And I'm sitting here and I'm going, well, why aren't they spending more money? Why don't, why can't they bring in a guy like Upton? Why can't they bring in a guy like Cespedes? Uh, how would you How would you respond to that?
0: Uh, I would respond that they have a plan and that they they've been pretty true to the plan. And so I mean, if you're asking me, should they go sign David Price? Uh, that you can make a case for that. I think offensively they're okay. You know, there's. There's some – I mean, it's, it's not a sexy signing, but Ruggiano is a guy that is an impact guy against left-handed pitching. you got to let the shields grow. You've got financial commitments to Chu and Andrews and Beltre and all these guys. They went out and got made their impact acquisition last year in Hamels. So, you know, one more pitcher would not hurt, but everybody says that, and they may yet sign Gallardo. Uh, that would be my only question. But what John Daniels did over the – Rather than look at what he didn't do, look at what he did. This is one of the best bullpens I've ever seen. I, I have never seen so many quality arms. And let's just say that Tanner Shepard still has some baseball left in him. Who knows? He he gets to go to spring training and improve that. But it's it's it's. I think it's a good team. Could you spend more? You could always spend more. But I think when your payroll's over, like what's it going to be? One hundred twenty-five, one hundred thirty million. Yeah uh, they get closer uh,
1: to one thirty five. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I look. Everybody tells me that. I hear that. I hear this from every GM. Like, um, if we're spending 135 million, we ought to win. I, uh, Hal Steinbrenner at the owners meetings in Dallas a couple of months ago, he goes, "Listen, I don't. I'm. I don't. I don't. You don't have to spend 200 million dollars to win a World Series, and we're not going to spend 200 million dollars. Just look at the history. The last 10 World Series winners have had a payroll ranked of about eighth or ninth, and that's that's where the Rangers are. That's where the Cardinals are." That's where the the Royals have been even lower than that. So, yeah, you could, you know, if everybody wants to play fantasy baseball and get one more guy, I understand that. But I, I look at what they've done, I think it's been a good offseason. Do they need one more pitcher? They need one more pitcher other than Colby Lewis. But everybody needs one more
1: pitcher. Yeah, it, it seems to me you, you bring up the Royals is that the the Rangers are much closer to the Royals model than they are anybody else's, and I think that's what they're doing with the with the bullpen. I, I haven't talked to John expressly about that. John Daniels Heaven's going to name drop. Now. Well, yeah, no, yeah. But but you know, is it your impression that that this is just the the conclusion that they came to that we that boy we really like what we did with our bullpen, and, and certainly last year when they added Dyson and Diekman, that that just turned around the season. You know, at, at that at that point uh, they were lost. The bullpen was a flop. And, and they made a mistake going into the season with the bullpen that they had. They were a little overconfident in some of those guys. I think they were still trying to, to feel out what exactly what they were going to be. But do you feel like that was this is a product of them uh, seeing the Kansas City model and how well that has worked, or is this
0: something they came to on their own? No, I think they independently looked at it on their own. I think, in fact, I, I just think, what what do we need to do? My impression talking, just being around John, is that when they go to ownership, uh, and he makes his case A, B, C. This is what I like to do. That they've signed off on pretty much everything. And I think what you're trying to do is you're trying to have a you're trying to have a plan. You're trying to have a a, a, a 2016 roster, but you're looking at it two years, three years down the road. And uh, but you don't want to rush guys. Like you didn't want to rush Chichi Gonzalez last year. But there are times you know you your need outweigh what your player development plan is. I think it's a well run franchise, you know, and so. Whereas what's, well, what a lot of baseball people believe is that if you have a guy that's ready to play and you don't give him a chance to play, it's ruinous. John Sherroth used the phrase ruinous to a franchise. So the Astros have this guy. I mean, the Rangers have this guy, Mazara. They have Gallo. I think you have to sort of figure it out. You have to go to spring training. You play it through the season. And if they get a chance to play, kind of give them a chance to go. You can't just bury them.
2: Let me ask you about another young player. Uh, a favorite of Kevin Sherrington's, Profar. Uh, you know, people discount him. Do you, do you see a future for him?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, what is it? How old is he right now? He's twenty three, right? Think. Yeah, twenty three. Yeah, twenty three. Yeah. Yeah. People, people yeah. almost
2: discount him.
0: Yeah, well, people discount Shepherds. I understand that because you know you get buried, and also Adore has been such a. Um, well, how do you say it? Such an emotional. Fireplug Club. Yeah, I mean, he's been. I mean, did he, you see what David Schoenfeld
1: said about uh, Odor? He said he predicted that he said he was already. Who's uh, David Schoenfeld? David Schoenfeld with know. the ESPN. Okay, uh, and he said he believes that Odor will be the 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 best offensive second baseman in baseball next year.
0: Well, I can believe that, and what I saw I saw last year is they feed off his energy because you know Andrews is a talker is a talker, uh, but sometimes when you have a lot of veteran guys. To have that one guy, this is why you like to have a mix of young guys in there because they remind guys that it's okay to have fun. It's okay to, to talk a lot and, and start a fight with the other team and all that stuff. You feed off that. That's important.
1: Well, the, the I think Barry, when he was bringing up the pro issue, is it right, – We'll
2: the, get to the next name in that,
0: this that is you're going to
2: bring up. Go uh, ahead.
0: Well, this
1: was the point I was making all along on the pro-far thing. All right. In my mind, what Profar does, he places an entire year at AAA. There's no, there's no calling him up. There's no letting him sit on the bench and being a, a utility player. I think that's uh, that's uh, to use John Scherholt's phrase, ruinous to direction Profar to make him a utility player. I th- I don't think there's any sense in trying to make a second baseman out of him anymore. I think that that's a different throw. Who knows how much that might have contributed to his shoulder problems as well. Uh, so. My my feeling is is that he plays an entire year at AAA. Elvis plays an entire year as your shortstop this year, and at the end of this year, you make the decision: Are we going to go forward? with Elvis Andrews as our shortstop or Jerks and ProFar. And and I know it's easy to say, well we just get, you know, how are you going to get rid of Elvis's contract? You get rid of it by saying, we'll pay 10 million of this and then we're going to pay Jerks and ProFar, you know, 500,000 whatever the minimum is at at this point and we're going to have for $10.5 million a shortstop who's much better offensively than the guy we had and maybe just as good defensively, maybe even better. Now,
0: wait a minute. Is ProFar going to play What's his position
1: there? He's going to be a shortstop. His only real value to me is as a shortstop. He's not going to play second. Obviously, O'Dor right. has proven what an offensive uh, impact he can make, and he's and he's he's not uh, he may not be as good defensively as Profar would be at second base, but he's much better offensively, I think.
0: And, well, but no, what, I guess what I'm asking is, he going to take any balls in the outfit?
1: Is Profar going to take any balls? In the, no, you know, to me, I, I just don't know if he's going to make. Uh, uh, he's going to have enough offense. He's a plus player offensively at shortstop, and I and I think. When you can get that and the guy can play the position, then that's what you ought to do with him. Uh, I, I think his value, for any team looking at him, they're looking at him as a shortstop. They're not looking at him as a, as a potential outfielder. I think they've got enough potential in their outfield with Lewis Brinson coming up, with Nomar Mazzara coming up, you know, with the fact that Delano, the Shields had such a good year last year and the fact that you're also stuck with, you know, since you choose contract, you are stuck with that contract. Uh, and he played very well. He hit very well at the end of last year. And, and let's see if he can do that again. If he can do that again and play, have an entire year like he had in the second half of this year, then I think then that contract's not so bad. But that, hey. you, uh, Let me just say one thing about the, the contract situation. And you, and you talked about John Daniels and what a good job he's done and the fact that they, they have a plan. This is, to me, where they deviated from that plan, was with the Shinsu Chu contract, with the Elvis contract, with the Prince Fielder contract. Uh, these are contracts that really didn't match up exactly with what they were doing, and I think it's interesting to me. And of course, the the Fielder and shoe contracts came in the same year.
0: Uh, yeah, but see, those contracts are okay if you've got a if you've got a stream of kids coming up, you can spend money here and spend money there. When they signed shoe, like I knew what he was in Cincinnati. I thought he was an on base machine. Now you know he's had moments where he hasn't played very well. Prince as Prince played 162 games every year. Um, uh, so, you know, like there are, is a point where you spend money, but you can only spend money if you've got control, young, controllable players in other areas. Right.
1: So, so tell me about the, my, my profile Andrews play. What do you think about that?
0: No, I think you just look at Profar. He's not, no, no. Odor is the second baseman, but you look at Profar as an asset to the organization, whether that means playing somebody, that's a, if that kid can play shortstop in the major leagues he's going to have great value and it doesn't matter whether it ends up being Elvis or him or whoever, he's going to get you something. He's going to make the Rangers better. I wanted to ask about, so are you guys, what do you think of Joey Gallo now?
1: You know, uh, I hear people say he doesn't have a long swing. That looks like a long swing to me.
0: Uh, it does look like a long
1: swing. It does, it does. You know, in spring training last year, he looked so good. He looked like he shortened up his swing a little bit, was going the opposite way, you know, and was working counts, doing much better. And then he got into the season and started to get a little lost. And, frankly, it reminds me of when I play golf, and it starts to go bad, and it just gets worse. Uh, and, and that's what happened to him. I, you know, he's still very young, and, and, and there's still potential there. But well, where does he play? What position does
2: he play? Yeah, where do I you play him?
1: See, here's, here's my problem with him, Rich. I don't know what you think about this. The guy's 6'5", right? Six four, six five. 6'5". Uh, I think he's too big to play third base. I, I think he's – you. Know, that position requires so much quickness and the ability – you've got to get on the ground. You've got to do a lot of things uh, you're asking a guy to do. And that's one of the reasons why uh, Adrian Beltre is, is so great at that position and why they should beg him to come back for another couple of years is because I think he still plays it so well. His, his UZR, I think, this year was, was, was tops in the league at his age. Richard, is that your phone? It's the commissioner.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's the bat it phone. Is the yeah, the, the hey, was calling Let me the say phone. this. Let me say this about Gallo is that we've reached a point with him where he's got a plus, where you got to put him out there and you got to allow him to succeed and fail. Now, not everybody believes that. I remember talking to – it was with the Cardinals last spring and we're talking about this kid, my, Matt Adams, this big kid that plays first base who has not had success playing against left-handed pitching. And I talked about I talked Richard. That, that was interesting. He was talked to I talked. To, <laughs> I, talk, I talked to uh, that's, that's one of your new sound effects. Yeah, Mike Matheny. I was like, I'm saying, you're know, like, you got to let him grow against left-handed pitching. He looked at me like that's the stupidest thing anyone said. He goes, "Here, you produce or you don't play." We, we're pretty simple with our players. And when you're in a win-now mode, the way the Rangers are, you I don't know how patient you can be with a guy. But I would want to find, if there was any way to find out, the problem is, I don't know. I mean, he's not the left fielder, right? He's no. certainly not the right fielder, and he probably can't play center field. I mean, I don't know if, I don't know if he can, he can or not. He's a good-looking athlete you got to figure a way to get that guy on the field somewhere and probably not as a DH.
1: I think he's a first baseman, and I, and I think that's his future is at first base. And, you know, that was the reason why they were shopping Mitch Moreland. I, and apparently they didn't get the the takers they wanted. And you know what? I'm not going to give Mitch Moreland away either if it's up to me. But
2: doesn't but, yeah. but Mitch Moreland clog now getting to Richard's point? He's in his way. He's in the way.
1: He is in the way.
2: And yeah, I,
0: well, no, no, no. Look, if he's a projected player, he's not in the way. Don't I mean you can't you can't let player development get out in front of the idea is you want to win a World Series this year if Darvish is healthy down the stretch if you look up and the bullpen is still intact and if Hamels and Darvish and Holland are healthy and I know that's a big if on those three guys you got a team good enough to win a World Series oh and absolutely so they, player development doesn't matter if you have to put Joey Gallo in AAA for five more years that that's that's tough luck you know you want to win now.
1: Oh, if the team wins, there's there's no question. No, no, there's no second guessing. Now, Richard, you're all over the map on us on that. First of you're saying they got to play him, and now you're saying that they, 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 they can't play him. Now, which
0: one? Is well, I'm, so Where, what, what I'm saying is a baseball guy, and you know there are scouts that are saying, "Look, can we just put the guy out there and find out?" Well, the answer is no. You can't put the guy out there because Chu is going to play right, and and, jo- and Josh Hamilton's going to play his 50 games and left. And you you know, and, and then Rua's out there and Mazzara and, and Rugiano is gonna play every game against left handed pitching. So oh, that's that's a really,
1: you mentioned that earlier and I think that is a really good pickup. This is a guy who 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 I think is gonna make a big difference on this team this year. But but, but
0: let's also what is DeShields? You know, like with young players there's there's progress, yes. there's regression, there's yes. progress. So where is Delino de Shields gonna be? You know, there these things I tend to think that if a guy can play, he will get on the feel at some point and then when he gets a chance to play he's got to produce
1: here's my question about Delano DeShields and and, I, and I've talked to him and I don't know how much you have he's a really really bright kid and you know of course his, his dad was a major league baseball player he got a lot of got a lot of schooling from him he, he knows what he's doing out there he's got a quick swing you know a quick short compact stroke He he's he's obviously very fast not a great outfielder by any stretch of the imagination uh, can cover a lot of ground and he's learning that not much of an arm and that to me that's a real problem but here's the situation, I think, with Delano DeShields. I don't really think that he's going to struggle too much this year in this second year as teams make adjustments to him because he, I think he made pretty good adjustments last year for the most part, uh, although he, he needs to work on his, his uh, hitting against the uh, off-speed pitches. I think the problem is going to be when they bring up a guy like Louis Brinson, who, who is a, a premier defensive outfielder, or one of their top prospects, they really like him. How do you keep guys that off of the field in center field where he can make a real difference? Uh, and maybe be just as good offensively. Where does the lineup Shields end up playing?
0: Yeah, but that's not a problem. Having too many good players is not a problem. You're right. You're I mean. right. Did, did, it, be, it beats the alternative. It beats having yes. a season. Was it last year or two years ago? The Rangers had everybody hurt at one point. In
1: the yeah, the outfield was. One did of the you ever hear the
2: Astros uh, lament losing losing him? To Shields.
0: Uh, I think the way the Astros looked at it is we have too many good players. We can only put so many players on our 40 man roster. We're going to lose some players in the rule five draft. That's why they were willing to trade five guys to get Ken Giles to close games from Philadelphia. That's why they traded a bunch of guys to get Carlos Gomez. You're going to lose guys. And, um, yeah, it looked bad last year <laughs> when he, when it looked like the Shields was going to make the All-Star team. It looked it looked bad. Like, wait, you didn't – and the Astros were tr- struggling to score runs and keep guys on the field and all that. But, you know, you make those decisions. And the, if you win, it doesn't matter what you did regarding player X. But you got to win.
2: Is there one guy uh, in baseball today, if, if you were with the Rangers, you would target to try to bring on maybe, you know, not to make a big splash, but a guy that would help? this team? Is there some guy out there who, when John Daniels calls you up, as we know he does frequently, Constantly. obviously, um, w- would you, you say, John, alone. here's the guy I would get if I were you?
0: Giovanni Gallardo. <laughs> it's not that complicated. I mean, guy's a guy's an animal. He hasn't he never makes less than 30 starts. doesn't pitch less than 180 innings. But, you know, to target, you need pitching. And with the depth of their bullpen and some of those kids, they can go get a starting pitcher. There's going to be Tyson Ross is going to be traded at some point. Andrew Kaschner is going to be traded. Even Steven Strasburg could be traded. You don't want to give too much for him because he's he's in his free agent free agent year. You know, Atlanta would be willing to talk. Tampa is willing to talk about starters right now. Odorizzi, I don't know about Archer. That would be a a big price to pay. But they. I mean, I don't know that the Rangers need anything other than, than pitching, you know, as you, because they have options in the outfield. They have they have kids around that, that are interesting, and you can figure things out with the lineup. If Josh Hamilton stays on the field, and that's a big if, uh, they're going to they're score a lot of runs.
1: Now, you break up a good point about Giovanni, because I, I felt all along he, he would not come back because he was so unhappy with the fact that he was getting yanked so much by uh, – Bannister. Remember, by Bannister. So, uh, but, you know, with the depth of that bullpen – Uh, it becomes less of a factor that he's only going, you know, five and two thirds or, you know, or maybe six innings a game because of the depth of that bullpen. And certainly in that, that first couple of times through the lineup, he's pretty good.
0: Oh, he's absolutely. And, and, but you, that comes down to communication uh, and the new pitching coach is going to have to have a a role in that. I, I mean, are you guys saying, do you guys think Gallardo's coming back? You know, he's, the market for him is pretty good right now, but it's not top tier market. It's, two years in an option, three years and an option. Does he want to take one year and come back? But there are a bunch of teams that want him right now because they, they everybody needs those innings.
1: Richard, it looks like me looking at the clock up here on our brand-new studio uh, that it, it is time for us to go. We've loved having you on today. You're the best. You're our hero.
2: I just I just want to say, I don't think we've mentioned this name in, in the 27 minutes and 10 seconds we've done this so far. Evan Grant is not here. That's what made it so pleasant, yes. isn't it? Because Evan is touring he's on a world tour, and if anybody wants, just go to his Facebook page. He's eating his way through Italy and <laughs> Israel right now. and the Yeah,
0: yeah, that's true.
2: But but Richard e-
0: Evan and Selfie. <laughs> Evan and selfie. <laughs> you
2: Richard, I cannot tell you how enjoyable this was. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. It's good to Thank have a real baseball me. expert here with
1: us. <laughs> I guess, I guess that means that Richard just left. Uh, that Co- very, I think very, the, commi- the commissioner might, might have called. <laughs> but it buzzed in on him. Anyway, another great uh, visit with Richard Justice. Uh, if, you, if you ever have a conversation with Richard, he's got – Four thousand stories for you. There's, there's never, and, we and, they're, good. To, and, they're, and they're good. And they're, you know, some people. Well, they may not be true, but they're all good. Well, the, like but it.
2: some people you talk and they talk and they, they, let
1: me tell you a story. And like three, 30 seconds in, you just wish they would shut up. I'm not sure what Richard. Richard says he's a big fan of cereal. I can't believe he actually sits down and listens to anything. He's he's talking to too many people, listening to too many people, too many sources.
2: Well, it, it was it was a real treat to have him on. And uh, I think we should say also this week we're do, This is one of our three podcasts. this yes, week. Yes, it is we we spare no expense here we have david moore of, of uh, sports day dfw and the dallas morning news will he'll be will he'll be talking cowboys with us this week yes that's right and we, we don't need any podcast. stinking experts to talk college football right
1: no well we could you know the problem probably couldn't find any because of the fact that they're all <laughs> well, out we don't there need, in arizona <laughs> yeah
2: but they're they're all in arizona and they're all at news conferences Uh, Here, it's the day after the uh, national championship game, and uh, as everybody here knows, Alabama won again.
1: That's correct. So now we are signing off uh, this podcast, but we'll be back. Come see us. Come see us? Yeah. What are they going to see? On our GoPro. Oh, my God.